Amen. Amen. As John the Baptist said, he, Jesus Christ, must increase and I must decrease. Hey, let's get our Bibles out this morning and open them up to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 as we take a look at a message on the topic of church planting today. Um, Do you ever uh, consider uh, what happened in this church to make it possible for us to meet together? Um, Meeting together virtually right now, but even before that, Um, A number of years ago, there were a group of people who met in uh, the poor's living room and began to pray about a church plant uh, here in Markham, and and then they moved to the uh, Markham train station where they had meetings and met, and then they moved up to Victoria Square where they met, and and eventually a church was birthed out of that. A lot of people coming together, small group at very beginning, but then growing, growing, growing into what now is our church, and then along the way, uh, the Lord uh, brought our paths across with a church called Centennial Community Church, and our two churches came together. There were a whole group of people back in 1967 that were praying for that church to plant, and, and, and they were so faithful and all the rest, and the Lord brought us together, and here we are today. Now, here we are virtually today, and we're trusting one day soon back in the room together, but lots of people prayed. Lots of people were concerned. Lots of people wanted to see the gospel uh, spread in Markham and Scarborough and all through York region, and, and, and we are the ones who received the blessing of that because of their faithfulness, and we are thankful for that. Well, we want to talk about that today. We want to talk about church planting, and I'm going to uh, jump from Acts chapter 14 for that uh, message this morning. So if you got your Bibles in Acts 14, I'm going to read uh, starting in verse 19 down to the end of the chapter. It said, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. And when he had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders from them in every church with prayers and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. When they passed through Pisidia and from uh, to Pamphylia, and when they had spoken the word to Persia, they went to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended uh, to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles and they remained no little time with the disciples. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can hold it in our hands. We thank you that we can read it. We pray, Lord, that as we look at principles from your word today about church planting, God, you would give us ears, God, to listen carefully to what your word has to say, what you have to say to us today. You give us minds to comprehend. But then, Lord, what would be the thing in my life, what would be the thing in each person who's listening's life that we are to do about this specific topic? So, God, please, do your work for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today's message is going to be a little bit more topical in nature, but I wanted a place to jump off from, and and, uh, basically you could pick any chapter of Acts and talk about church planting. 
Um, but there are some things that are principles from um, this text that I'm just going to lay out and then we're going to move on to a message about church planting. You'll notice in verse 19 and 20, you find out that church planting, serving the Lord in any way, is risky business. Uh, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. A church planting, serving the Lord. Everywhere Paul went, he left a group of people, and, and they planted a church. And, uh, but it was risky and dangerous work. Now, when this church was planted, it might not have been dangerous in the sense that your life was um, in your hands, but it was a risky thing. It was like, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if it fails? And uh, church planting is risky and dangerous work, but it's rewarding work. The next verse is when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So not only is it a risky thing to plant a church, it's also a rewarding thing to plant a church. It's also a faithful work. Look at verse 23. And when they had appointed elders from them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And so Paul and those who are with them, they're out and they're making disciples and they're putting elders in place. Why? Because they made a church. They planted a church. It was a rewarding work. It's a faithful work, but it's also a God-exalting work. Verse 27. When they arrived and gathered the church together, there it is, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. So we're continuing our series called Church Together. And part of the goal, part of the desire, part of the passion for every church should be to plant churches as we've been going through this series, we started out with a message on discipleship, and then we talked about passionate worship, and then we heard a message on fervent prayer, and then a message on church unity. Last week, we heard a message on courageous evangelism. Next week, we're going to hear a message on bold preaching, and this week, we're talking about, we're talking about strategic church planting. So here's the big idea for this message. If we're going to be a healthy, obedient, thriving church, we must have our eyes focused on church planting. If we're going to be a healthy, obedient, thriving church, we must have our eyes focused on church planting. So in this message today, we want to take a look at, first of all, three foundational realities about the church. And then we want to take a look at three functional truths. Three foundational realities and then three functional truths. So here's the first thing. Three foundational realities. Number one, the church is God's idea. The church is God's idea. Now, it, it works its way out in many different ways. The church in North America looks different than the church in Europe. looks very different than the church, say, in China. Um, but it's still the church. And this, this church, this thing, is God's idea. The word in, in uh, the New Testament for church is ecclesia. It's not about a building, which is interesting for us in these days. 
Um, it's not about a building. Uh, the, the word ecclesia means to be called out or to be an assembly. Or in the case of the church, the Lord's assembly. The word technically is not even a church word as it relates to Christianity. It was a secular word, called out ones. But for us, it means for us to be called out and brought together. And here's the, here's the thing. It's God's idea. This, this thing called the church is not man's idea. It's God's idea. In Matthew 16, 16 to 18, it says, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, that's on his confession, I will build my church, my ecclesia, my group of people, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Over in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, um, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, um, Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and you are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. This thing called the church is God's idea. Um, you know, there are people who run down the church, even Christians who are like, I'm done with the church. I'm done with the church. I think, I think you need to be very careful when you put down what God raises up. And um, it's not a perfect church. Um, if it was a perfect church, it was until I arrived, and then it was no longer a perfect church. Or it was until you got in the room, and then it was no longer a perfect church. Um, you are in it. But it's God's idea. And it's God's plan. And so we need to get on board with what God is doing. Now, you know, you might think, well, well Pastor Paul, like, are you opposed to parachurch ministries? No, I'm not, I'm not opposed to those things. But every parachurch ministry should be coming along and supporting the local church. Now, that's what parachurch means, parachurch. Uh, we come alongside and we support. And so I'm not opposed to those things. I think there's great strengths and some specialization that can go on in those things. But it doesn't replace the church. The church is the foundational piece. It is God's idea. The church has two expressions, as it were. There's the, what the Scripture teaches about the universal church. The universal church is every single person who's ever trusted Jesus Christ. That's the universal church. But the universal church expresses itself day by day in the local church. And that's as people come together. As there is what we're doing right now, the local church. And this is all in Scripture. This is God's idea. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Famous passage in Hebrews 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, 
having cleansed her by washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. We, we tend to look at these verses, and they are right, the verses before it, talk about women and talk about men, talk about husbands, talk about wives. But hey, this afternoon, why don't you go back to that passage and think about what Jesus Christ did for his church so that it could be presented spotless and without blemish. Revelation 19, 7-9 says, Let us rejoice and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, the church, has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure The imagery and symbolism of marriage is applied to Christ and the church. Um, The church, the bridegroom, Christ, excuse me, Christ, the bridegroom, has sacrificially and lovingly chosen the church to be his bride. Uh, I love this statement. Just as there was a betrothal period in biblical times during which the bride and the groom were separated until the wedding, So it is the bride of Christ separated from her bridegroom during the church age. We just saw that because there's a feast, there's a marriage supper that's coming. And when we get to glory, all that's going to be brought back together. That's what the verse in Revelation was saying. And and this bride, that we are the bride, our job is to live faithfully during these times. That's our responsibility, to be faithful to the bride. The church is God's idea. The church is the bride of Christ, but let's bring it home now. Let's bring it home. Here's the third thing. God has given us an amazing story as the church. I mean us, our church, Hope Bible Church Markham. God's given us an amazing story. And as we think about church planting, God has given us so many opportunities and allowed us to be a part of so many things. I was going back through a list. I hope I didn't miss any, but I, I think of the planting of the church in Durham and Pastor Ian Hales. He was here as an, as an intern. He was finishing his studies. There was a whole group of people. They were planting a church in Durham, and God allowed us to be a part of it in 2010, um, Redemption. Redemption was planted, and now hundreds of people are meeting together in Durham because God allowed us to be a part of something, of planting that church in 2010. Um, in 2012, I had the privilege to go over to Romania, to Girok, Romania, where we had a partnership with, with Marcel, the pastor there, and, and serving that church, a church plant in Romania. And then Monte Levout, um, Pastor Renel Lebrun, and we still support that church, a church in Haiti. Some of you have been there. We, we sent a medical team and a, um, a day camp team to, to go and serve in Montelevoot, Haiti, and we still support that ministry. Thankful to God that God allowed us to be a part of church planting, not only here, not only in Romania, but in uh, Montelevoot, in Haiti. God gave us the opportunity to um, have a group of people uh, plant a church in in Newmarket uh, for many years. People came. Before we were even in this building, while we were still down in the high school, there were people who were coming to our church who were praying for a church plant in Newmarket. I remember seeing the prayers that had come out every week. There were two or three families but praying for Newmarket, praying for Newmarket, praying for a church plant in Newmarket. And, 
In 2015, a campus was started. Pastor Mike is there serving so faithfully. In 2018, that church became an autonomous church. God allowed us to be a part of that. God's given us a story, an amazing church planting story in our own church. Sue and I have had the privilege to go to Romania and train church planters. In 2019, we were a part of supporting the work in Toronto North where Pastor Marvin McCoody and some folks from our church went to be a part of that church plant. In 2019. God, God's given us a great story in 2021. That's this year, by the way. On our Easter weekend, Easter in Romania is at a different time. Uh, Pastor Sam Cuckoo planted a, another church in Playest, Romania, and we were a part of that in our Christmas gift sending to support them, to buy them equipment so they could get off the ground there. Um, and also, in the middle of a pandemic, God put it on the heart of a man whose name is Pastor Chris Gervin to plant a church in Red Deer, Alberta. He started in his role to plant a church. There wasn't a group. There wasn't anybody um, in Red Deer. And he started his job the week everything shut down. They're like, how do you plant a church in a shutdown? But uh, on Easter... They started some meetings. They're now meeting every week. And on Easter, they had, I believe, on that was a special meeting. They had, I think, 70 or 80 people who met together on Easter. They have 30 or 40 people who are meeting together. They're getting ready to launch that church. And, and we were a part of that. God has allowed us to be a part of that. We need to rejoice because God has given us an amazing story. And so that's three foundational realities. And one of those realities is God has allowed us to be a part of something that's so much bigger than we are. Now, you know, when you plant a church, when people went off to Durham and people went off to Newmarket and and people went off to Toronto North, you lose some of your best people. It hurts. Planting a church hurts. But it's a good hurt. It's a good hurt because you're doing what God's called you to do. I remember uh, talking to uh, a church plant guy and he said, I was telling him like our church is getting full and either we got to go to two or three services. You know, we're thinking about planting a church and he goes, don't don't ever plant a church to solve your attendance problem. I said, well, doesn't it help? He goes, it might help for a little while, but when you're doing what God's called you to do, he's going to pour his blessing out on your church. And so if you think this is a way you're going to solve an attendance problem because you don't have room, it's not going to work because God's going to fill those seats quicker than you could even imagine. We saw that happen. We were a church. We thought we would plant Durham when we got to like 450. Um, We didn't get close to 450 when God put it on Pastor Ian's heart and that group left our church and went and out they went and and God filled every one of those seats so quickly. Same thing when the group went to Newmarket. God filled those seats so quickly. Um, God's given us an amazing story. When you do what God's calling you to do, those people will be replaced as God pours out his blessing. So those are three kind of of, uh, foundational realities now I, I want to take a look at um, three functional truths. Three functional truths. You know, some of you, as you're sitting in your living room right now or you're watching online, you might be thinking that, well, we're not ready. We're not ready. Pastor Paul, you know what we've been through in the last year. We're not ready. Um, we're not healthy enough to do this. Um, and you're right. Church plants need to happen. Um, from healthy churches. um, And God is working in our church, and we are becoming more and more healthy. But 
Let's also remember that the church is the place for sick people to get healthy, for dead people to come to life, for people who need spiritual surgery to get it. Yes, there is a sense where we are growing and we need to be healthy. Um, But the church will always be a place filled with people. It's because it's filled with us. It's filled with sinners who are saved by grace. And sometimes we get our eyes off the Lord and we need to get those things fixed and we need to be being sanctified and becoming more like Jesus Christ. But we don't wait. You don't wait until, well, wait until we're healthy and then we'll plant the church. I wait until we got it all figured out. I remember when Sue and I first got married, we were young and foolish. And not that we got married, just we were still, now we're old and foolish. But the reality is we were thinking, when are we going to have kids And I remember us having a conversation one time and we said, we'll have kids when we can afford them. Well, if that was our criteria, we would have never had children. Because there's always more stuff to spend money on than you have money for. And and, uh, thankfully, we didn't do that um, when we can afford them. When, when everything all lines up in the church, when we've got all the pieces in place, when everything's all ready, then we'll think about church planting. Um, when we're healthy enough. You know, you hear people say, yeah, religion is only for people who need a crutch. They can't, they can't make it on their own. You just need this crutch in your life. I remember hearing somebody, it's not my idea, not my quote, but they said, no, no, it's far worse than that. We need far more than a crutch. We are dead people. We are diseased people. We are a mess. We need, we need a, an intensive care ward. That's what the church is. That's what it's supposed to be. But out of that, God works and he builds his church. He does his work. So let's look at these functional truths. Here's the first one. The church is God's plan for discipleship. The church is God's plan for discipleship. Um, In in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says, He gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers, what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This is God's idea. This is God's plan for discipleship. And as people are discipled, as people become more healthy, things, healthy things grow. Uh, Sue and I had a gift from one of our church families of a plant on our front garden now, and we put it in, and we're watering it. We're trying not to kill it. I have the ability to kill a plant faster than probably anybody who's listening today. And, and this morning we went out, and there are flowers on the front of it. And healthy things grow. We're trying to do the right thing so that, so that we can grow. But this idea of discipleship is a foundational piece of the church. It is the primary place where discipleship happens in people's lives. It's where people learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it, you, you learn not necessarily by coming to church on a Sunday, if we could be in the same room, but, but, but the reality of God's people knowing the gospel and telling other people about the work of Jesus Christ. Just as I rehearsed the story of our church and how God's allowed us to be a, a, a church planting church, um, how God works in people's lives that they can be gospel-driven, sharing the evangelism story of Jesus Christ, what he has done so that we can have eternal life. The the reality of man's sin and his need of a savior, the reality of Christ being the only sufficient sacrifice so we can have eternal life, The, the reality that we don't earn that, we don't work for it, it all comes by God's grace, by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourself.
ourselves. It's a gift that comes from God. It's not of our work so that nobody can boast. And, and you put your trust. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Where do we learn those things? In church. We learn them in church. If you've never trusted Christ, the offer of the gospel is here for you today. For you to trust Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. You heard a testimony in the baptism and, and saw how a man was brought from darkness to life, the new life that comes through evangelism, through salvation, through the proclamation of the good news. Um, the church is God's plan for discipleship in, in salvations in the gospel, also in training and, and building up, also in our sanctification growing. Um, it's, it's where people step up and serve. They step into new roles and do new things that they never thought they could do, but they watch and they see how God's work. Why? Because the church is God's plan for discipleship. Here's the second thing. The church is where mission is most effectively accomplished. The church is where mission, what God calls us to, is most effectively accomplished. In the book of Titus, Paul sends Titus to uh, Crete to put elders in every church. Uh, get, there's organization. They had places. So these places they had gone, people get saved and they're meeting together. They're becoming little local churches. And Paul says, uh, get elders, get elders, get, get them in place. Everywhere Paul went, everywhere Paul went, people got saved. And what did he do? He saw them come together put elders. We saw that in our text in Acts. Acts, They had elders. They put them in place. Paul's missionary journeys are a testament to church planting. Everywhere he went, check out the product. It's all over the New Testament. Church plants in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Thessalonica, in Colossae, in Galatia, in Philippi, in Crete, in Lystra, in Iconium, Antioch, there were churches, there were groups brought together, and, and they, they became little local churches. Little local churches. Church plants everywhere he went. People got saved, bringing them together, forming a church, get elders in place. Like, that's what God calls us to. That's what God calls the body of Christ to today. Read Paul's letters. Basically, all of them are either written to churches or to individuals to help them in their church context. People got saved and either got them into a church or he formed a group, a local church plant. It's all over, all over the New Testament. Here's a cool thought. Church planting keeps you from becoming ingrown. Church planting keeps you from becoming ingrown. Um, when I was a kid, they used to call that like navel-gazing. You're so busy like looking at yourself. You're so busy looking at yourself. You're never looking out. You're never, you're never growing into what you're called to be, what, what God wants you to be. I, I'm so focused on myself. We've got to be so focused on us being healthy in every single little thing, and, and you, don't, you don't get your eyes lifted up, and you miss the blessing of, of Romania and Haiti, and you miss the blessing of Toronto North and, and Durham. You miss the blessing of Newmarket and training other people. You miss because you're so busy always looking at yourself. You know, the model of our small groups in our church is that we'd always have an eye on multiplication. Like, who is it? Small group leader in your group who is your apprentice to be the next small group leader because we need to be multiplying. We need to be multiplying. Churches that don't multiply eventually become ingrown. And then you hear them say things like, well, we don't want to multiply. We're so happy just to be together. That's called navel gazing, right? You want, you want to have a, somebody that you're developing and you're impacting and, 
If you don't have apprentices coming up in our small group system, it's because we're navel gazers. If we don't have potential leaders coming up in our church, it's because we're navel gazers. We're too inside looking. We're too not, not trusting God and looking out for what he has for. If you don't have a vision and a plan for church planting, you're a navel gazer. That's true of every church. We need to have a vision for what's God calling us to in our mission. Our, our mission is most effectively accomplished in church planting. So the church is God's plan for discipleship. The church is where mission is most effectively accomplished. And here's uh, the last one. The church is God's plan for multiplication. This is God's idea. It's God's plan for multiplication. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is a great commission. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go there. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so Jesus gives the commission. He sends out his followers, Paul being the most obvious example of it, but Peter is another great example of it. And these men gave their lives to go out to see people saved, but then to invest in people and see groups brought together and see churches formed. The church is God's plan. The church is God's desire. The church is where God sees multiplication as the foundation. So what? So what? Well, the big idea. If we're going to be a healthy, obedient, thriving church, we must have our eyes focused on church planting. And you're sitting at watching your screen today and you're saying, well, Pastor Paul, I get it. We should be a church planting church. We, we were a church planting church. We want to be a church planting church. But, but what do I do? What do I do? Well, here's the first thing. <clears throat> the first thing is you pray. You pray. You pray that God would uh, get your heart ready for us to be a church planting church again. Our eyes have been off it for a while for a number of reasons, not the least of which is a pandemic we're in the middle of, but uh, we need to be a praying church, praying about church planting. Are you praying about that? Uh, those people who were sending in their prayer requests for, for years until, we, until New Market was, was planted, they were praying for New Market before we ever uh, planted the church in Durham. And, and so they watched as they prayed. They watched the elders go, yeah, you, you just wait because we're going to do this first. Um, and yet they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. Are you praying about that? Are you praying about what God would have you do? Are you praying? Here's the second thing. Are you willing? Are you willing? I preached up in Ottawa last year, or year and a half ago, and I met a man, uh, he and his wife, when they planted the church in Ottawa out of um, Oakville. Um, this couple moved there. They, they uprooted, they literally, they moved to Ottawa to be part of the church plant. And you're like, are you kidding me? No, they did. 
Um, people do that all over the place. God puts it on their heart. They find a way in their work thing because it's not so much about who my next door neighbor is and my, my best friend. Am I going to have to say goodbye? They're like, I want to be about kingdom work. I want to be about what God wants me to do. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes. They were willing. Maybe, God may not be asking you to get up and move to go somewhere, but, but are you willing? Are you willing to even pray about that? If the Lord opened a new opportunity for us in Aurora or in Scarborough, I hear the people in Scarborough going, woo right now. In Scarborough, would, would you be willing to be a part of that? Are you praying about that? Are you willing? Are you available? Not just only a sense of willing, but I'll go. I'll go. If that's what you want, Lord, I'll go. Um, be willing. And then start to look around. Look around for a place. Look around for a plan. Look around for a person. And then pray, pray, pray. Pray for the elders. Pray for the leaders. Pray for wisdom. That God would continue to work in us with all these other things we're seeing in this series called Church Together. That we would be a church planting church. God's given us an amazing story. I believe our greatest days, Lord willing, are still ahead of us. And part of that, part of that passion, part of that vision will be a church planting church for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for faithful men of God like Paul and Peter who, who just gave themselves to seeing people saved and then brought together in groups and forming a local churches, Lord. We thank you for the story of our church and what you've allowed us to be a part of and how you poured out your blessing on us far beyond what we ever have deserved. But your grace is poured out. Your mercy is poured out. And Lord, we're asking that you do that again for us. And uh, so, Lord, I pray. I pray for our church, people who hear this message and are like, no, 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 we're not ready, we're not ready. Lord, we'll never, we will never be ready because if we're ready, we don't need you. Um, Lord, we need you. If, if this will ever happen, it'll happen because you are at the core of it and you will lead us. You will answer the questions. You are the answer to the problems. And Father, we will serve you faithfully and trust you more. So Lord, give us eyes of faith to see what we can't see so that we can see accomplished what only you can do for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.